Hey, I'm R. Alan Brooks. I'm the host of this fine, fine podcast. And? And I'm your producer and editor, Dele. So, uh, listen, we, we had a really good conversation with Neptune. Great conversation. Neptune spelled with a three. Just with a three. Yeah. And he said, if if there ain't a three, it ain't me. Right. His words. Right. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Neptune may have the biggest personality of anyone that we've had on the podcast. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. I think so. I, I love I love somebody who's so full of their art and passion and, and being able to have like those real conversations about the things that like move them. That's that's the gift of being able to do this podcast. And uh Neptune was just so full of yeah. passion and yeah. art and love. Like it was just it was a really cool conversation. Yeah, and you you got y'all will feel it through <laughs> your true. headphones. You'll see it on screen for sure if you're watching this. Very animated. Yeah. Um, brought an amazing outfit. No doubt. Uh, with those platform shoes on, he's taller than me. Right. Not not something that happens very often. <laughs> it's true. And I, I've seen him on stage before, and I'm yeah. like, okay, like he's not a super tall dude. But when he showed up, and like he was sitting down when I got up to the front desk, and then he stood up, and, and then he goes <laughs> like two inches over me. I'm like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> right. I think uh, Neptune is all about the unexpected, right? That's kind of the. the That's the a great way sauce. to put it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think we talked a lot about uh, Neptune's spiritual journey, which we don't. I don't get into with a lot of guests here. No, not really. Yeah, but like hearing uh, how the spiritual journey coincided with the creative and musical journey was uh, was really wonderful. I also mentioned this documentary that was from the '70s called Marjo. Right. Um, that's I think free to watch on Tubi. And uh, anyway, who wants to check it out, you should check it out. It's really interesting. But when we talk about it in the podcast, you'll know. But like, it blew my mind when when I watched it. And uh, yeah, I think Neptune would dig it too. Actually, cool. Yeah, cool. Well, we're really excited to share this upcoming episode and interview with Neptune. So, shall yeah. we get them into it? Well, like and subscribe. Oh. We need you. We need you to That's share right. this with other people. Because, you know, we, we do this. We have a lot of fun doing it. And honestly, I feel proud of what we do, and I, I would like more people to be able to engage with it. So uh, anything you can do to support it, share it, like, subscribe, leave a review. Um, but other than that, let's get into the episode. All right. Thank you. Welcome to How Art is Born, a podcast from the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practices. Today I'm joined by Denver-based musician, artist, multi-hyphenate, Neptune. Say hello. What's happening, y'all? <laughs> all right, so uh, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Right on. Thanks for being here. Definitely. I'm never, um, uh, never, I'm not remiss at opportunities like this didn't fall in my lap, so right on. not too long ago. So yeah. definitely grateful for, you know, being able to do stuff like this and be surrounded uh, by really dope people. Um, we have been deemed dope, Dele. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, my name is Neptune. The first E is a three, baby. The first E and a three, it ain't me. Nice. <laughs> um, born and raised uh, here in Denver. Um, I am the Wild West Wildy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah grew up here. Went to school here. Um, I've been writing songs since I learned how to form sentences and ways that my brain was able to comprehend. Hmm. Um, my great grandmother was a seamstress, so the fashion literally runs in my blood. <laughs> Uh, my grandmother was the second black meter maid in Colorado history huh. and a composer. Okay. Um, so that music run deep in my veins too. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
taught myself how to produce uh, in 10th grade. Been doing it since. Um, hmm. Yeah. What'd you start with, like, in 10th grade? Like, what program did you jump on? FL. Yeah, yeah. FL Studio. Nice. I was at the Green Valley Ranch Library, and they had, like, a little <laughs> workshop. That's nice. That was the first time I really got to see, like, a DAW in action and sit there and work on it. And shout out to Alternative School, man, because you get to do things that you can't do in public schools. And the school let me uh, borrow computers throughout the rest of the school years uh-huh. I was there. And I was teaching myself how to produce. Um, I'm going to say Fruity Loops for the... Fruity Loops, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What's Fruity FL? Loops. They'd be like, what? FL, man. Yeah, Florida. FL. Florida? No, okay. <laughs> Tampa. Yeah, um, so Fruity Loops is a program a lot of people jumped in on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, so uh, a lot of times I like to start with just uh, what was the first time that art spoke to you, whether it was music, whatever it was. And sometimes it's a moment, sometimes it's just like a general period of people's lives. Like, is there a time that you could think of? You know, it's interesting, music wasn't the first thing that, like, uh, music was just always a thing. Yeah. But... um. The first thing that sparked my interest was acting. Huh. I was watching, uh, <laughs> I was a young buck. I still am, but I was very young. Yeah. <laughs> um, living on Jasmine Street. And uh. Mart- uh, Big Mama's House was on TV. Okay. It was, uh, was on the, on the what is it? was on, well, yeah, it was on, we were playing it. We had the VHS. Okay. And I was watching. That was the first, that was my first time, like, I have a recollection of speaking. Huh. I think it was about three. And I was watching Martin Lawrence, of course, just doing his thing. And he was just it's so animated. Right. And watching him, like, I just remember him saying, damn, like the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And that was my first word I remember saying was damn. So I was just like, damn, damn. That's hilarious. Damn. And I was just like, well, I want to do, like, I just knew in my head, like, I want to do that. I can't blame Martin, but my first word, according to my mom, was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, so my parents, uh, they got married in college, uh-huh. right? So they were like early 20s, you know, when I was born. Okay. And, uh, so they were cursing all the time. Uh, and so apparently I used to stand up in the crib and couldn't lay myself back down. So I would cry until they came and laid me back down. Mm-hmm. You know, of course they were like, well, we have to let him cry. He has to figure it out because if they keep laying me back down, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing, right? Exactly. So uh, one time they, they just let me cry for a while. And it went on for maybe like an hour, hour and a half. And then they come in the room, and I'm standing there. And I'm like, shit. Shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first word. What'd they do? <laughs> they laughed. A period. <laughs> right. What else you right. do? Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, this performance by Martin, uh, like, what what stood out to you? Like, what, what did it inspire you? Like, how did it, you know, like, what did it say to you? It was just so animated and just like... um boisterous yeah i mean if you watch martin you don't have to watch big miles all you gotta do is watch martin right you have half sketch half sitcom yeah going on breaking the mold merging these things that hadn't been seen before like mm. you can see how animated just how like almost just larger than life that's cool he is and his ideas were yeah of course i'm like three years old i don't know that i'm seeing you know He's working with people he's worked with on the show. Like, this is like, it's a cultural kind of thing, but right. like, it's just, I'm watching it and seeing this, like, I'm for realizing it for the first time and just how, you know, I think it was one of my earliest introductions to androgyny as well. Okay. Whereas I think most black men will see something like that. Yeah. And think, uh, 
yeah, they got to do this in order to be big wig in Hollywood. This is what they do with a black man. They emasculate them. I'm that like, is a whole, there's a whole corner of the internet. Just you know, <laughs> right. a whole, just shit, a whole corner of Negroes. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. Just watching that, I think it was so, uh, for me, I got the comedy in it as a kid. Yeah. Even though I didn't understand all that was going on, I knew this was funny. Right. Because he was doing all these things, all these, oh, you know, he's animated yeah. and just. Animated and boisterous. Those are the two words I could think of. And I just kind of like latched onto that a whole hmm. lot. I'm very animated. I speak with my hands. Yeah, I'm picking it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I speak with my hands. And on top of that, yeah, you catch me at the right time. I'm just very just. Ah, yeah. My clothes are very. <laughs> right on. Okay. So uh, there's a uh, there's this thing that like when I'm talking with people about art, we talk about how art captures something that's intangible, right? Like something you can't put your hands on. It takes it and it makes it real. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you're saying that, like, seeing that art was one of your first encounters with androgyny, I wonder, like, what what it meant to you to see that? Did it feel like, um, like you felt understood in a certain way? Was it just, like, a cool concept? Like, you know, what was the significance when you saw that? For me, it wasn't none too deep. I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> that okay. was the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. It, I, you're it just a kid, felt right. You don't, it felt right. You don't yeah. see a problem with it. You're not thinking about, Word. you know, anything deeper than I think most adults. Yeah. And black folks on top of that make it out to be. It's just like, at least for me, I was like, oh, yeah, that. Okay. That's I, found, I saw, again, like I saw the humor in it, but then right. I was also like, oh, he's able to do both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Solid. Okay. All right. So uh, acting was like a, that's one of the first art you encountered, but then you said music was always kind of a thing there. Yeah. So uh, what was the point where you felt like, I'm going to make music? Was that like pretty close to that time? Was it? I mean, so I started school, mm -hmm. started private school, I think like a week or two before I turned four. Okay. And I mean, we learned songs, like we're singing Alouette. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And learning Spanish as well. So, like, we're learning. There's three different languages going around, essentially, with at yeah. this, like, very young age. Mm -hmm. So, by the time I was able to form those sentences, mm -hmm. I was like, okay. I was writing songs in a way that, like, I was able to comprehend. Okay. It wasn't, like, a fully structured, like... Some fucking Mozart in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know with the sheet music, but like I was like, okay, boom. Yes, 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 yes. I was so you're, you're talking like lyrics and annotation? Like the, yeah, are you writing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're doing, okay. Yeah. And, and what was the style of uh, music that you were writing in at that age? Early, early on, yeah. it was very R&B. Okay. Very R&B. Yeah. I, <clears throat> my introduction was gospel and blues in that order. Yeah. And, in that, of course, it's soul and R and B. Like right. it's blanketed under that window. Like, yeah, you hearing gospel, you hear all these things. But on Sunday, when you hear Anita Baker playing, right at nine a.m., that ass is gonna be up cleaning. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I heard a lot of that. So it's very R and B. Um, I did my first talent show in uh, when I was like six, like five or six. Okay, um, that's interesting. All right, I want to hear a little more about. It. So is that is that songs? Is it songs that you wrote and were performing, or were you like, tell me about it? I didn't perform one of my like own songs until okay. I was like 17. All right, so what were you doing at a talent show? I sang, um, it was gospel, of course. Um, 
per that was the only thing I was allowed to do. Yeah. So <laughs> they the stipulation like, was I had to. My mother said I had to do it with her, and oh, you did it with her. I was coerced into doing it with were you, her. Were you and like, then, were you like Eye on a Sparrow or something? You know, what I'm it was um. Oh, why does this song miss me every time? I'm gonna remember it. Yeah, it'll and come end back. up singing it. Um, one is just like old song, but we ended up singing it, and I yeah. think that's when like everybody like. I remember just seeing. Well, I remember at that talent show. There's, I've always been very. Um, I know what I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> I see things for what it is, but I see where it can be. Okay. There's one girl who sang the national anthem. I was like, that was not good. <laughs> and then she, my mother had said, she was like, you say something like that again. You're not doing this talent show. So, of course, I started crying. Emotional ass. Still did the talent show. Yeah. Sang the song. And I just remember everybody like, whoa. Hmm. And expect, like, nobody expected that I did next year. It was, um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. I had never, like, I was really nervous. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, by the time I got on that stage, it was just like, hmm. oh, this. Then I saw the crowd's reaction. I was like, oh, this. Huh. I had seen people do everything in church, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm in there in the womb, you know what I'm saying? But in, yeah. I hope I, I think I got lost. I started thinking about performing. It. Now, this is really interesting. So, uh, there's this, all right. It's gonna sound like a digression. Bear with yeah, me. Fine. There's a Star Wars ripoff, okay, called uh, Star Reach or something like that. If you would have said Trek. I would have <laughs> shambles. Trek is the dopest, but <laughs> <laughs> nah. So it has like a uh, talking robots and laser swords. It even has a young David Hasselhoff in it. Um, but so it's a Star Wars ripoff. There's this tall, skinny, blonde dude, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen it for years. It's not good, uh, but I just noticed skinny blonde dude from this sh- movie and for some reason about a, a couple of months ago i looked him up did you remember the song i opened my mouth to the lord and i won't turn back i will go i shall go to see what the end's gonna be Amazing grace, how sweet the sound to see what the end's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> see, all you needed to hear was the Star Wars ripoff and it brought it back. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I had to get it off. <laughs> right. Otherwise, it was gonna go again to ADHD. What's my ass? I'm sorry. David Hasselhoff, Star Trek ripoff, or Star Wars yes. ripoff. All right, so this tall, skinny uh, white dude's in it, right? And he yes. has like a skinny, uh, he has a blonde afro, right? Okay. And so, like, I just remember his face. So, for some reason, I looked him up on IMDb just because I was like, what else did this dude do? Turns out, uh, in the 60s, <laughs> he was, his parents were a traveling evangelist. And he was raised to be like the youngest preacher. He was like four years old preaching. You know, and kind of the way that you describe, like, being sort of coerced to be in, like, for the church. His thing was, like, they would preach to him, but apparently, like, he would preach. And there's an uh, old, like, video of him, like, if you don't feel the Holy Ghost, then you're dead inside. You know, like, this whole thing, right? Uh, and so, basically, he grew up with them, his parents sort of forcing him to do this thing. And um, they were, like, you know, abusive to him. Mm-hmm. They, they made a whole bunch of money, didn't. Put, you know, put any towards his education, anything like that. Mm. Uh, so he basically spent his whole life being forced to preach something he didn't believe. 
Mm-hmm. So around eight, 19, 20, he starts living this double life where he's like, you know, like now, so now we're like in the 70s, right? And he's like, yeah, man, you know, I like doing my thing. Right. So then he switches up, you know, to do the, the gospel thing, but then he's, out, he's with all the hippies and stuff, right? Uh, so they made a documentary of his life. His name was Marjo. It was like Mary and Joseph. They ran it together. <laughs> yeah. So they made a documentary of his life, and he snuck his people into the church so that they could show like all the stuff that he thought was fake. It's 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 on Tubi, I think, but it won like a, a like a Academy Award, and I had never heard of it, and it was really interesting. But the thing that was really interesting to me is that he had no no shade for the people in the church. He had shade for the people who ran the churches because of all the manipulation and stuff like that. And and I say, you know, I grew up in church, um, I, like in the South specifically, and I was I was deeply involved all the way through my twenties and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, although there were some wonderful experiences and some good people, there were a lot of terrible experiences. And so there's this thing of when you when you find yourself as an artist, when you like blossom into your fullest self, a lot of times it brings you into conflict, especially with the church people. And I know you probably have some of that story to tell. So if you have that church thing, you had that experience where you got on stage and you saw the people's reaction and stuff like that. I, I, I would love, if you want to share, I want to hear some of what it was like for you to like, find your truest self and break away from the disapproval of the people you grew up around? Mm-hmm. It's a big question. No, I mean, not really for me. Oh, word. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's where, I mean, you grow up in church, either you going to heaven or you going to hell. You yep. singing for the Lord or you out there in them streets. Yep. Ain't no in between. And you could be halfway foot in the church one foot in church and one in hell if you want to. Yeah. But that don't mean you making it in hell. You know what I'm saying? Right. That let, that have ran my conscience for so long. And I kind of, dis- I like distanced myself from, I think, re- religion very early. Mm. I think by like ninth grade, I was like, this ain't it. Okay. But had to keep up that appearance, had to still be there. And it still was that fear and that it, there was that yeah. indoctrination that was still ingrained of like, I'm going to hell. So by the time I got like 1920, I was like, I don't believe in shit. I didn't know much about spirituality. I right. knew it was um, what I was learning on like a social conscious level. I didn't know anything spiritually yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the difference between spirituality and religion. Right. So I was like, I don't believe in shit. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> what's the point? It was very, very cynical of a thought, but I was like, I'm not going to live a life just like, well, I'm going to do what I want. You know right. what I'm saying? Couple of acid trips later, something started clicking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the path for some folks, right? You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, okay, boom, I'm learning about spirituality, and of course, music is very spiritual. For yes, me as well, it's I you receiving those if whether whatever it is you're doing, you're getting those messages from an intangible place and putting it in a physical world. Right. It's very spiritual. You're that collective energy is from the hive mind that is humanity. Is mm-hmm. you know, it's constant like. Give, trade, transfer, you know, release, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it wasn't until really 2021 that started. Hmm. 2020, I think. 2019 definitely started this turn where I was, like, I had left really all, all communities, really. Left the church, left really, like, the, uh, the uh, distance myself from the from the gay community out here. Okay. Um. 
And I was just like, my, 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 I'm not appreciated. Uh, I am in both of these communities. Yeah. I'm not to a T what I should be either. I'm not, <laughs> my blackness is invalidated because uh, of my appearance and everybody's nosy as hell about who I'm fucking or right. it's a thing of like, oh, well, I'm not, I either look too feminine or when I open my mouth to talk, I'm too masculine. So for this community. And so I was just like, whatever enough, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, nah, it's about to get black as hell up in here. So I (laughs) did that COVID hit. Yeah. America continued to America. Right. So I was protesting. I was learning more. I really started taking this deep dive and I started learning more about my place. Um, in the world, yeah. in like the ancestral, like history of that, of where androgyny was specifically in in Africa. Although for those who do not know, Africa is a colonized name. Um, <laughs> in Africa, right, where it was the androgynous men were next to the kings. They were the sages. They were the doctors. They were the healers. Mm. They were the sages, the witch doctors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This was who you went to. They were psychics. They were that bridge between spiritual and physical. Right. And so I started learning that more and tapping into that. I got COVID. Oh, (laughs) In 2021. Okay. Locked myself the hell in. Yeah. Had to. Right. Transformative. I went through an entire just rebirth of self, just an entire burning. Huh. And started tapping back in. I started tapping back into rock and roll. Love rock and roll. I've always said I love Lil Richard. I've always said I love Tina Turner. I've always said I love James Brown. Like, this is where. Yeah. But then I, I was like, I need to go back to my roots. But I went to it I'm by myself. I wasn't going with nobody. Right. And I made my way back to gospel. And I was huh. able to listen to it and not hear the indoctrination, not yeah. hear the anti-intellectual yes. bullshit. Yeah. I was able to hear what I know for myself. Right. And I was able to just receive the message and receive that. And instead of hearing God, I heard source. Hmm. Sarah Jesus, I heard universe. Okay. I heard myself. Mm-hmm. And I was able to cry for the first time. Wow. Hearing this, everything started click. I was like, okay. I ran from it. I ran from it. I ran from it. I yeah. kept myself. Even when I wasn't running, I said, nah, fuck that. And I was able to come back to it. And something just hmm. entirely. It, that key, I feel like, is still turning. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, everything everybody hears now has been really introduced to for me. It's been like, oh, this is like really gospel. Like, I mean, yeah, that shit's new to me. Man, hearing myself <laughs> do show that's really new to me. So, wow. like, only imagine what you're experiencing. That's it's really around that time. NCA Denver at the Holiday Theater is a year-round performance and event space that is an extension of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver. The Holiday is home to a spectrum of creative expression, including original productions, live music, film screenings, artist talks, and serial programming like Mixed Taste and Cinema Azteca, as well as performances and events presented by other cultural organizations. The theater is also available for private rentals. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash holiday dash theater to learn more. Thank you for sharing it. That's really it's really interesting, and uh, we will get more specific about how that stuff affected the, how you make music. Yeah. But I think your journey is is really dope to hear. It makes me think of um, 
Well, okay, so for one... Sorry, I, I get to talking about music, and I just uh, did not answer your question. No, no, you did. You okay. did. I was actually... I was saying we're going to get to the music, because, like... Okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So uh, I think, like, I, I try to tell people, because my own experience, like, getting out of um, that circle and finding my connection to spirituality, God, whatever, was, like, it feels like it's going to be the worst thing ever. You feel like, you know, you're going to lose everything. But if you can... It's, it's almost like... A rocket trying to push through say that you know like the the stratosphere say that. and once you get out in the space then everything you're floating and you're like oh this wasn't that bad after all you know and then a lot of the people who who were most condemning when you start to shine just a little brighter then suddenly they'll be like wow i always knew you had it you know what i'm saying niggas i swear every time because it goes yeah. from, oh, how's the little music thing? I yep. just slapped the shit out of you for saying something. Oh, you right. really? I, let me make sure I get my picture. Right. I, I specifically remember. <laughs> yeah. Ah, run it back. Yep. Couple years, honey. Yep. No, yeah. But it's, so, it's such an interesting. So, I, like, for one, good for you that you could figure out, like, how to break through that stratosphere so young. Because, you know, I think I was probably 27, you know, when I was, mm -hmm. like, finally kind of, like, getting getting loose. It was about in that like twenty one through twenty three yeah. range. Yeah, because I was twenty three was when we Rusty Steve and I had started working on Renaissance. So like that was it was around that time that like that whole transformation of me being like having like reworking my brain mm. essentially being like I still don't fuck with y'all. Yeah, publicly and <laughs> <laughs> right. but I can take from this. I can. I started learning. I think that's where the maturing, I think. Yeah. Well, maturing, I think just like getting more life experience and just I learned how to start filtering things out. Yeah. There's this, uh, he was a gospel singer for, his name was Tone. He was like uh -huh. 90s. You know Tone? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, he went through a similar trajectory, right? Like uh, he was trying to fit in that world. Uh, he, I think he was married. Uh, and then he like came out as gay maybe on his second or third third album mm -hmm. and uh like but all of that pressure that you're talking about he was still he was still trying to do it in that gospel world and i think it was to his detriment you know because he mm -hmm. like he couldn't find quite the freedom so i you know i'm just happy to hear that you like got what you needed from it but were able to find like at least begin the path to finding the fullness of yourself you know yeah it's my roots yeah you got to go back to your roots, especially as black people, mm. um, especially as black Americans, it's a thing of like, you have to go back to where you come from. Yeah. It's like we, our roots are here. Now they trace back to, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These different places, they trace back to Africa, they trace back to Ireland, you know, that's right. where, but like, for us, we're born and raised, our family's been here for generations. It's right. like we didn't, we come from here. On top of that, Black people always been here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us aren't African-American. And a lot of that goes for some people. Mm. Where it's like, no, like, some people, like, doesn't go back to Africa. It goes back to we were here. Like, there are black people who are, like, you know, you're saying indigenous. And it's like, you have to trace back your roots wherever that is. For me, it was here. Yeah. But then also I had to do world history. Mm-hmm. When it comes to black people, yeah, in order to really like start understanding and really knowing and being able to trace that back and be able to tap into that different um, throughout the di throughout the diaspora, mm -hmm. um, 
just tapping into black spirituality, African spirituality, seeing the similarities, seeing the differences, listening to the music, right, doing the research. Um, that way, I was able to just like, it was just it was such a process. So this is really dope to hear the like this dope spiritual intellectual journey. Uh, how did how did that reflect in your music? Like you started with the gospel performance. And I, I guess that's what you had. You had to do that kind of through high school, right? I had. I just had walked no me through the steps. Be, I had no choice but to be in church. Yeah, and so musically, mm-hmm. you were making. You were like because of where you were, you were making gospel music. Is that right? Oh no. Okay. Well, I never made gospel. Tell me. Tell me <laughs> what you were making. I when I was introduced to pop music. Yeah. It yeah clicked, but I always knew I didn't. I liked what I heard. It's even still to this day. Uh-huh. I like parts of what I hear. I don't like most of the time everything I'm hearing. I'm like, ooh, that, ooh, that, ooh, that, okay. that. I can get the gist of it very yeah. easily. So I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. It's funny because the music I make now mm-hmm. and that I work on now is I always said, oh, like I'm going to wait till later until like I'm big and then I'm going to do that. Yeah. Well, you almost died twice in a couple of months. You're like, let me stop waiting before that <laughs> third time roll around and the death yeah. angel fall in my bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I was always working on pop music. It was a thing of like, I just wouldn't show, like I wrote songs for so long. I didn't have equipment. All mm. I had was pen, pencil, paper. Yeah. And 50 notebooks I didn't have. Right. And a voice that comes out of my body. That's all I had. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really able, I wasn't allowed to express myself really. So the only place I was able to express myself was at school. But I would go away I'd, where no one could like, was around me. I'd sing and stuff like that. People would ask me yeah. to sing. But after a while, I got sick and tired. And I hurt my feelings. Everybody's like, oh, you sing like a girl. And I'm like, what the wow. fuck? Right. I mean, now everybody's like, your voice, you can go all the way so high. I'm like, that's <laughs> so funny. Ain't that fucking ironic? <laughs> yeah, panties is dropping at bust of one high note. All of a sudden, we just super soak all over the place. I, I guess. I guess. So, I, gotta, I gotta say, we're gonna have full quotes from you that we've never had on the show. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, hold on, I just find myself saying shit. <laughs> You know, yeah. so I was I wasn't showing, yeah. you know, my mother anywhere I was working on it. Was, so he was like secretly working on this stuff because that's what you had access to. He was prophesying over my life. I not see it. He's gonna sing for the Lord. Yes, and da, 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 da. he's gonna be a pastor. He's gonna be a preacher. I don't know what the hell y'all niggas are seeing, but <laughs> I got a lot of y'all that being too. lied to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever y'all tell <laughs> who's telling you that? <laughs> Whatever spirit listen. y'all hearing, don't listen to him. He right. gonna get you. He gonna get you hit. <laughs> So I would write, you yeah. know, I was writing pop music. Okay. But in my way, and it was, it was always pop music. So by the time I started getting older, it was, that's when, and I, like, I really, like I said, I didn't perform my own songs. Yeah. My own song that I wrote until I was, like, 17. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you talked about uh, the library getting on Fruity Loops. How, yeah. how old were you when you were doing that? I was 10th grade, so. Oh, like 15, 16. So about f- I must have just been fourteen. Okay, so you're that's your first time actually being able to create these things that you had in your notebooks that you dreamed of. Mm-hmm. So first of all, what was that like? It was like I was hot. Yeah, not in a bad way. I was just like, like a whole body heat. Like, huh? I just knew I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I need to be doing. Any more of this? Hey, hey, how you do this? Okay, right. And I, of course, had a song in my head, so I'm just sitting there trying to figure out how to do it. I was new. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. 
it just it felt right. It felt in place. It didn't feel like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I knew for so long I didn't like what I heard because mm-hmm. it just nobody was taking it there. Yeah, nobody took things to the to the lengths that gospel music would on a on a on a Sunday, right, in the middle of summer, in a eighty person capacity church. The lengths that them Negroes will go. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. You're going to be in there for a while. Music on the radio was not doing that. Yeah. It wasn't doing that. Huh. So I just, it was just, it was, I got high. Okay. And I knew that that was like, okay, that's what I need to be doing. I'm going to make my own music. Yeah. I know how to, even if I don't know how to yet, I yeah. know how to, and I'm going to learn how to. I'm going to teach myself how to. It sounds that's like that's a beautiful <clears throat> moment. Okay. Exactly that. <laughs> so, so you get in there, you learn how to do the stuff. Uh, so you're like 14, and then a few years later, 17 is the first time you actually get to perform something that you wrote. Mm-hmm. So what were the, what were the circumstances around that? I was at music camp. Okay. I was at um, Lynx at a uh, UCD. Ah, I spoke there actually uh, over the summer. I love them. This past summer. Yeah. I was a guest artist. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, so I we, hope they bring me back. I want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have met each other then. I know. Like, that's funny. Um, it wasn't full on. It was. It felt liberating being able to like showcase that. Yeah. But it was still limiting because my mother was in the audience. So uh, it was like, yeah, I'm going to perform it only to a certain degree. Right. Because I don't want to go back home and hear a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Well, why'd you do this? Well, why'd you do that? I don't want to hear dumbass questions. So I was like, you right. know what? I'm going to just play it safe with this one. Okay. I did that two years in a row. So this was a sort of a limited, a filtered version of you. But, oh, yeah. But you still got to feel some of it. Yeah. So this is your first time on stage doing your stuff, mm-hmm. seeing how people react to things that came from your soul. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Like feeling people connect to the things that came from you? I, it was interesting. Everyone's always, le- I'm, I'm a lyricist first. Mm-hmm. Always been singing, but I am like, my pen. My <laughs> pen. Right. A value on my, like I, I will, I've, that's one thing I haven't taken too much outside advice on. Mm-hmm. Something, I'm, I'm not unteachable in that way, but it's a way of like, I'm not, the one who's writing that down. So don't you. you you giving me advice is you trying to give the universe advice on how it's supposed to be better. Hmm. You in a business don't do that. <laughs> so it was interesting hearing people gravitate to the melodies that I hear in my head mm-hmm. and singing along to the words of catching music. Just that's cool. It was a surreal. To this day, it's always surreal. Mm-hmm. Hearing people sing things back, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Uh, <laughs> you right. know the words, right? Because for the longest, I feel like I was like, "Oh, people are just bullshit and they're forcing themselves to do that." Yeah. So like for like hearing that for the first time, and like hearing people just like sing along to a melody, I was like, "That's that's crazy." Yeah. It's like just butterflies. Hmm. It's like an instant feeling. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, and so I mean, in those uh. Those three years when you first get Free the Loops and that performance, are you, um, is it all sample based? Are you like teaching yourself how to play? I didn't learn how to sample until late. Oh, okay. So you're I was pun- like 19. Okay. So you're 
like you're playing like keys like what what do you I click and drag yeah I was okay hitting the notes i pick the sound i click and i drag and i'm manipulating all yeah. that yeah no i didn't sample nothing until i was like 19 hmm. that song was called bounty actually okay I had that thing on SoundCloud to this day. No, it might not be on SoundCloud, but I definitely have. Well, it, if it was it's on SoundCloud, it'd be private. But <laughs> <laughs> I have that. It was Wild Western. I had okay. like brass in there. My first time really sampling. Uh-huh. No, I was always the type like, I love sampling. But yeah. And for, especially within, you know, hip hop yeah. culture, that's the biggest thing. Right. Also, I mean, people sample, but I always heard melodies. Okay. And sampling felt very limiting in that sense. So you, uh, did you know how to play any instruments before you got into Fruity Loops? I begged for piano lessons. Yeah. Never got them. I like you. I always wanted a teacher. Yeah. Guitar, bass, or piano, something. Yeah. I played trombone <laughs> when I was like in fourth grade. I played I, trumpet in fourth grade, <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah. Like fifth grade, which is interesting yeah. of all instruments. Right. Because that instrument in particular is like, if singers play a trombone, hmm. it makes a strong voice. Wow. So it was we were able to pick our instruments, and I was right. like, "I pick a trombone." And so the, I remember man's name was Mister Heck. He was like, "It's an interesting choice." And I remember he was like, "What people please me?" I was like, "Why you say that? Why you say that? Is right. that bad?" And he was like, "He's like no." He's like, "You sing, but he's like you have an amazing voice." He was like, "But you picked an instrument that actually like." Anybody with a big voice can actually play very well. Hmm. So I always, that always had stuck with me, but I never, I would mess yeah. around. I think the first instrument I ever touched was a piano. I'd sit at my uh, grandma's piano, just playing around. I remember hearing her yell at my mom and my mother, yeah. telling her to like, girl, listen to the boy. Do you not hear him? <laughs> He's over there playing something. Right. You just not paying attention. Yeah, she would yell at her, just tell her, uh, like, hey, do you not hear him? Right. So I can make my way around things, but I just, I always knew what I heard. Yeah. So the reason I asked that question is because of like coming into Fruity Loops, um, having these melodies in your head and having to click and drag, it shows like the level of determination that you had to bring these things to life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's basically like you're just one noting it through and then figuring oh, yeah. out how to harmonize no, it. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I. Pads in the back, progression, and then. Things on top of that, something added to that, just yeah. like layering and really just like building something out. I love Grandiose production. Yeah. I love Grandiose production. See, that shit is beautiful. It is. Yeah. You know, like just taking it from like, I mean, specifically the fact that you hear these things for so long and you're just writing in this notebook for years. And then you finally get on the thing and you didn't get the support that you wanted. You know, so you're like, well, I'm just going to click, <laughs> click, click. And then you come out with this mm-hmm. beautiful creation. You know, and then you get to do this performance uh, where your mom's there. So you're a little bit limited, but still immediately see how people connect with it. So, okay, I want to ask you, what do you feel like is maybe the first time you got to perform fully as yourself? Ooh. (laughs) I think there's a couple of times. Okay. I'm always changing. I'm always evolving. Yeah. First time I really got to perform mm-hmm. was in 2017. Okay. I started performing at Denver Art Society. Okay. I'd already been kind of known, like, did a couple shows. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, like, he goes crazy. Da, 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 da. 
there's a march in particular hmm. had like this mountain dew ski mask on flowers like fake flowers coming out of the yeah. silver bomber like i really like laid it out there it was a packed house that night and everyone was like i was rough around the edges but it was the passion yeah the determination i still had a big voice yeah it was there a couple years later i started oh, about a year later Mm. Had backup dancers and really started performing. Wow. Really going the extra mile. Right. But it was more so recently in 2021 that I stopped holding back. Okay. I stopped and giving a fuck for real. This is after the COVID thing. Yeah. This is right after. Okay. My voice had changed entirely. As a result of the COVID? Huh. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> <clears throat> but something. I had heard. Myself in a way I'd never heard before, huh. um, which was interesting. Yeah, but something really, really switched. So how 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 did it change? Like higher, deeper, just or just different, gruffer? You know, like it had just this. I mean, what it sounds like now, uh-huh. it just had this depth to it that I had never. It was very mental as well. Singing is very mental. I uh, teach lessons. I tell people singing is very mental. Okay. So I stopped thinking, oh, what's, what's somebody going to think? What's going to, I just thought, let it out. Yeah. Let it out. One of my studies is like, James Brown didn't sing the way he sang because he had an easy life. Right. Tina Turner didn't sing the way she sang because she had an easy life. Mm. Nobody sings like that. It had an easy life. Right. You people don't just sing like that. Huh. Ah, people people don't just sound like that. That sound don't just come out of a body mm-hmm. without having gone through something. Mm-hmm. And I had to, t- I started internalizing that. Hmm. I started performing around town, jumping on residencies. Yeah, this, this is a guest artist, and I stopped thinking about what everybody else was gonna say. I stopped thinking. I just showed up as me. Right. And I started performing with bands again, and just heard the music. I just it was it felt that that church that had that little jolt to it. It was just yeah. like start going. And I mean, and when I would, my eyes would be open. I would just see <laughs> the whole time. Right. But twenty twenty one, I really started performing. Huh. As me, where it's just like what everybody really knows now of like hanging off the ceiling, <laughs> swinging from a tree. Oh, <laughs> yeah walking on rails throughout the audience and like sweeping across the damn floor. Like mm-hmm. that's what like, hmm. that's what something like something woke up. Oh, I love that. All right. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I want to okay. know um, when you are composing a song is, is there something that you want people to get? So like for some people, art is an expression of, what you feel right then. For some people, it's like, I want to teach the world something. I want to give the world this perspective. Some people, it's both. How is it for you? Mm. Elevation is the word that comes to mind. Huh. My purpose is to elevate consciousness entirely. Okay. <clears throat> In my way. Yeah. I'm who I am for a reason. And I think it's important that there is not just dichotomy, but variety. Yeah. You have people who, you need people who make, solely they make happy music. You need people who solely make sad music. You need people who make 
in between. You need some people who just, they talk about what everybody else talks about in different ways, but then you have people like myself, what I write about is just not, I write my perspective of just what I'm feeling and mm-hmm. what I experience. <clears throat> I find myself writing and just expressing things that are very day-to-day. Hmm. But I feel day-to-day things in a very extreme way. Okay. So I talk about <laughs> but I'm also the extreme things that I also feel. I'm just not afraid to speak about it how I want. Mm-hmm. If I'm not happy about something, I'm not going to sugarcoat it right. simply because everybody else is talking about it. No, I don't like that shit. I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Not just because I just don't like it. It's what bothers me. Right. Talk about what bothers me. Hmm. But I hear it in these very just grandiose and um, very in a very meticulous and grand way. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think it's so limiting to minimize one's existence. Right. If you're every day or just what, why are you minimizing your existence? When people come up to me and say, oh, I could never, you're so disciplined, you know. Did you feel something as a result of seeing that? Right. Of, of what you're saying? Yeah, okay. That's that <laughs> inside of you telling you to wake the wake it the fuck up. Right. When I like being able to create worlds hmm. in every single song, it's its own world. I don't. Every, I don't like simple. I don't like small. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, you need contrast. You can create contrast within a song. That doesn't mean it needs to be minimal. It doesn't, no. I grew up in church. With 30 people in the choir section, in a packed house, yeah. in the pews. I didn't grow up where it's just, it was silence hmm. in there. And when, when, that, when the feeling kicked in, yeah, it may have started somewhere, but it's just... I like to take people somewhere. Mm-hmm. What I feel is so intense and just if I it nothing just feels so ugh. I think there's why would you why would you deprive the world of feeling? Mm. Why would you deprive them of being able to find safe haven or escape? Right. Take them somewhere. Don't just don't just give them a tour. Mm. No, let them walk inside. Let them let them let them go through the kitchen. Let them let them really yeah take their shoes off. Make them let people feel at home in it. Hmm. I think that's I that's why I love choir arrangements. I think one of the most annoying things is hearing when I've worked with engineers and they've said, "Well, I don't think we need that many vocals." <laughs> yeah. I think you need to watch a YouTube video on how to handle this many vocals. <laughs> First and fucking foremost. <laughs> And then from there, let me do my motherfucking job. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? You don't, you don't, you ain't going to tell Beyonce to. Right. Nobody would have told. If James Brown said that the trombone was a drum. Do you know the thing is? Probably somebody did. Do you know what I'm saying? And he docked their motherfucking pack. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what the fuck happened. That's what I'm saying. They got left behind. You know what I mean? You know. It's such an interesting thing. Uh, like uh, A lot of what you're talking about is what I like to do with graphic novels, writing, trying mm-hmm. to bring people into a world, take them somewhere, make them feel something. And uh, it's a collaborative art, right? Like I'm writing, I'm working with people who are drawn, I work with people who do colors, different stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's an interesting thing when you have this vision for something and you want to create something powerful and then you have the people who are collaborating and are afraid of the, um, the size of the vision. And so they'd be trying to talk you down. Like, Baby, if you scared to go to church. <laughs> it's real. So, I mean, how is it for you? Like, so, you, you know, you've been talking about, like, you're somebody who writes the music. You're somebody who sings. You're somebody who performs. So now you have bands to back you. When you go into the studio, it sounds like it's pretty much with your production. Well, really, I don't take bands into the studio. Well, I, I, was, talking about, I was talking about the live performances. Oh, but, yeah. but when you go in the studio, it's just it sounds like it's basically you, right, with your production, your voice. Are you bringing other people in? Is it just you and the engineer? It's just my voice. Yeah. Yeah. I like people to know that I produce. That is yeah. one thing that, like, for those who have followed me for years, you know. Like, they can hear it. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's it's production. I bring an element of production that I, if I'm just because I think a lot of people think if you're not sitting there hitting the buttons, you're not producing. Huh. You tell that to Rick Rubin. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Um, I produce as well. Okay. But for what everybody has really heard has been collaboration. And I've worked with uh, Rusty Steve, so he's mainly, it's, it's his computer, so I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I respect his property. So I'll sit there, but I'll yeah. hear something going on. I'm going to add this. I hear this. We need to do this. I'll either spit it on the microphone or I'm sitting there overlooking. Ah, not there. Right here. Okay. Uh, yeah, move it. Hitting the grooves and everything like that. Um, You said your question was... um. Well, I was just wondering what, what the studio was like, you know, like for you. Yeah. yeah. Very, I mean, just minimal. Is yeah. Whatever. I've gone from working in studios. Right. Um, which I did not really like mm. very much. I don't, I don't like egos. Yeah. And wow. I started in hip hop out here and <laughs> 50 Lemmedos. Uh, yeah. You know, so I, I, I broke away from that. I didn't really like that. And it went just two of us in there doing what we do best and it's yeah that's what it is that's cool yeah all right so you know i always ask everybody about fear yes. so in your process when you're creating um first of all when and how do you feel fear and then secondly how do you move through it mm. don't shit scare me hmm. shit don't scare me i'm not a um think I've put my I've scared the hell out of myself enough that like when if life brings things it doesn't scare me okay now I may sit there and be like how the fuck is this gonna yeah but it doesn't scare me I think when I feel fear it comes from me hmm. I don't external things don't so it's like uh like this isn't as good as I think it should be when you're working like when you say it comes from you is that what you're talking about? Or, or I don't even think it's more so in the work. Okay. I think if it's one thing, I I feel like I've said it a lot recently as well to people who, um, just those around me. Yeah. Anything to me is, I'm going to be exactly where the fuck I've said I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. Ain't no, ain't no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I know my work ethic. I know my drive. It's concerningly. <laughs> it's concerningly rigorous. Okay. It's very just personal things. Mm -hmm. That frighten me. Okay. And navigating that is through music. It's through music. Hmm. Not navigate. I write it out. Right. Navigating it personally. Right. I f it takes time. Hmm. It takes time. I think for a while I'll experience things. I'll know it and I'll ignore it. Hmm. I'm annoyingly self-aware 
<laughs> so I'm aware. Yeah. If I'm not aware of something, yo, I'm like, are you dead ass? Like, yo, I'm sorry. I did not. I did not know shit was like that over here. Right. I just navigate. That's hmm. like my one word. How you doing? I'm navigating these twenties. <laughs> I'm navigating these twenties. Okay. I feel like my life has been very just extremes. So I just keep going, keep going, I keep going, keep going. Whatever it is, I just keep going. The show has to go on. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed just like a pattern, at least for myself, it's just things of like something always happens. It's just like I have no choice but to just <sighs> let's sort through it. Right. And it's very mental for me. Again, it's very spiritual. Mm-hmm. Something with the inner child. Sit with the inner child. It means closing your eyes consciously leaving the earthly plane right and going to where the inner child is go to him if it's go to your safe haven again got to leave the third dimension and go there Mm -hmm. and get those answers if it's interdimensional travel to get those answers but not it's always it's I'm always I get sat down. Uh-huh. So you're talking, you're talking about like getting your answers. What is that like for you? Like, you know, for some people it's prayer, some people it's meditation, some people it's ayahuasca, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is it for you? I'm very tuned in. Yeah. I have my waves, of course, like all, <laughs> all things right. and all frequencies. It's always a wave. There are highs. Oh, great highs, and then Lord have mercy. There are lows to where it's like, why am I still down here? And why am I still getting lower? Right. But in both, I'm very tapped in. I get all my answers. It's all internally. Okay. Whether it's spirit guides, whether it's ancestors. Yeah. Whether it's, but like I talk most of the time, people, I could say something that maybe 20 years ago, they would have put my ass in a loony bin for um, <laughs> right. but I know these things to be very true, mm-hmm. mainly because I've sorted my shit out and I've also done my research and I've read through declassified documents. So I know, <laughs> <laughs> All right. so I'm not saying nothing that hasn't been studied by them big boys in blue and by the alphabet boys themselves. Right. So I get those answers mm-hmm. internally. I know the answers. I'll see the signs. I'll see the numbers. I'll see numerology is one of I take numerology very seriously mm-hmm. yeah not too seriously <laughs> now I think with spirituality you can't take everything so oh. seriously so I get I receive those signs I get those signs whether it's in the form of numbers mm-hmm. whether it's in the form of omens whether it's in the form of different word I'm clairaudient do you know what clairaudient no is? I'm about to learn the word tell me I hear messages and I through music Mm. It's related to clairvoyant. Yeah. Okay. Clairaudient. So clair clairvoyance is you know you read minds. Yeah. I'm able to pick out messages through music, so it could be a time and place, and a certain song will play, and I'm like, yeah. Hmm. I can hear. I hear messages, and I get answers through music. Okay. I get it through. Sometimes it doesn't even always have to be music. Yeah. Someone can say something. It could be something as simple as something that somebody is wearing in a word they'll say, but it's still through audio. Okay. No, ah, okay, yeah. Huh. So I hear, I receive the messages. Yeah. Whether it's physical or not, 
So I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta have hearing. It could be something as simple. I hear it hmm. innately. The the same voice that um I think KR one of the greatest like lessons I had ever many lessons whole lesson but very many very simple mm-hmm. impactful was from KRS one. Okay. He had like people in the room and he had told them <clears throat> he was like I, I think he held something up and he was like I want us to say what color this is. Mm-hmm. Let's take your shirt for example. Mm-hmm. You do the same. Well, I right, like so. We're like, I want to say what color this is, but don't say it with your mouth. Say the color, just don't say it out loud. Hmm. One, two, three. What is this color? We all heard the exact same color, but nobody said shit. Hmm. But we all said that the shirt is the color. That voice. Okay. That's cool. That's who speaks. Hmm. That's why I hear from. Yeah. Huh. Fifth dimension shit. <laughs> Fifth dimension. This shit. is dope. All right. Okay. So uh, wrapping up. What uh? What's the next chapter? Like, what are you? Where are you going next as an artist? What? What? You know? What are you looking towards? I am. On why did my voice shake when I said that? Not the emotions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am continuing for home base. Mm-hmm. I'm continuing to prove to myself what I can do here. Yeah. And continuing to also show it, I will continue to pioneer, hmm. at least for here. Um, be a pioneer here as well and just do what has not been done. Mm-hmm. Not for the sake of vanity, but for the sake of elevating culture here, elevating art here, elevating music here. Yeah. Um, that's my goal entirely, but I'm not going to stay here. So yeah, being out of state, making myself known outside of the state. Right. Um, cause I'm not going to stay in this box. You see the way I dress. Right. I still get crazy looks. So <laughs> going out the, going out the state, I got a passport. So I'm trying to get the fuck out of this country again. Better. And Make myself known. Yeah. Just as much damage as I've done here, do that damage everywhere else and showcase that I am forced to be reckoned with. Yeah. Head to toe in everything that I do. Um, working on music. Yeah. All right. I'm working on very, very impactful music. It's a, a, a lot of music that it's a continuation, but still new. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I wish I could talk about it more. <laughs> and then also just navigating these 20s. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'd like to end with two questions. Uh, the Let's first go, is, <laughs> you ready for it? No, I hit the microphone. On oh, that. I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first is, uh, what is inspiring you creatively these days? Like, is it, you know, TV shows, music, books? Like, what, what mm. things are you taking in to inspire you? I'm very tapped in with the shadow self right now. Hmm. The uh, the ideology behind the shadow self. The um, everyone's essentially shadow self. Do you know what that is? Uh, I'm gonna say roughly, but I would like for you to define it a little bit just for the people who are listening. Yes. Yeah. 
essentially the side of yourself that like you're unconscious to. Mm-hmm. Um, the you that nobody sees, but also the you that you don't see. Yeah. I heard something that had said, um, once you become aware of your shadow, it's no longer the shadow. Huh. Very in tune with that and what my, and very um learning and into um very invested in integrating mm-hmm. my shadow. Mm. All that he is and who he is and all the things I haven't been aware of, may have been aware of, but I s- threw off on him. Yeah. Very intrigued with um Everyone runs from darkness because there is this. That's that darkness. That's that demon. That's another way. Well, you run from yours long enough, it's going to whoop your ass in one way or another. Relearning, learning a whole new darkness of myself and integrating it so that I have. Wholeness. E- wholeness, <laughs> create homeostasis. The group, yeah. Create, <laughs> have solid homeostasis. I'm on a solid equilibrium and maintaining balance. Yeah. I've been too focused on one side and just let it. Ugh. Right. So I need to pay some attention to it. Very, very invested in that. Very. Mm. Um, what it does, what has inspired me recently? Gas masks. <laughs> leather. Yo. <laughs> I, I love it. I just say, but that is not the answer. I was, I was, I was, I don't know what I was yeah. expecting, but are you just talking about the aesthetic of gas mask? Yeah, okay. I think um, more elaborately, yeah, we live in a dystopian world that's just blanketed with screens and iPhones and right. McDonald's. So like, <laughs> we don't realize we're in the middle of we're in the midst of a renaissance. That's the Roaring Twenties all over again. Right, it's a renaissance, mm-hmm. and everybody is just trying to go back to everything that was before. And it's like, baby, this is not. Art is at an all-time high, and just really we're hearing and seeing things and feeling art on a different level again, while the world is just in dismay and complete disarray. Yeah. In shambles. Hmm. And I'm I'm fascinated with the, not partaking too much, but I'm fascinated with the worlds, and specifically in America, the... Um, the lack of um, care mm-hmm. that people have and the amount of false activism and the false care that people have. People don't really give a fuck, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with how people say they give a fuck and don't. Mm-hmm. How there's bills being passed, laws being passed. Yeah. We have so many things going on. Take, for example, there are school shootings happening at an alarming rate yeah and everybody is going back and forth on who's in the wrong but the people who are (laughs) who make those decisions are yeah i don't give a fuck you know i'm 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 it's fascinating mm -hmm. at just how just because there's not fumes in the air doesn't mean that it's not toxic Mm. doesn't mean that just because we don't see hazmat suits right. and we're not rocking the, the latest Givenchy hazmat suit and the latest, you know, Couture Versace <laughs> gas mask and not the latest Mew Mew boots 
for treading through the apocalypse, that doesn't mean that it's not just that there's not a dystopia. And I'm very fascinated and inspired in multiple ways in conflicting ways as well by that. Yeah. Not to undercut your point, but I do I do got to shout out how you uh, said boots and then displayed the dope boots that you got on. That was, that was Seven perfect. inches, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I want to go back to where, where you were talking about um, Shadow Self. Yes. So when I'm teaching uh, these writing courses, I'm talking about building characters, and uh, briefly I tell people that the best stories, characters have external goals. This is like something they got to do, usually something physical, um, and then they have internal goals which is something that they want, right? So like external goals would be like, we gotta defuse the bomb or we gotta raise money to save the community center, like that kind of thing. Internal goals are they wanna feel smart. (laughs) Yeah. Luke, you did the raise money to build a neighborhood, a Luke Cage. (laughs) Right, you see that all the time. And then defuse the bomb, more like a justice, that was interesting. Yeah, right, so like we know these things, right? And then the internal is like, we gotta feel part of of a group or I got somebody needs to tell me I'm smart or somebody needs to tell me I'm pretty, like there's some, Mm -hmm. Is usually feel, filling something. And usually internal goals are the things that we're not aware of, even in real life. And that is the shadow self. And if you're not paying attention to it, it'll be like moving you like a puppeteer. You know, you'd be like, why did I act like that? And you, uh-huh. but you, it's because you haven't spent time with the darkness that you talk uh-huh. about. I even think about like two people can have the same external goals. Like, for example, we want to do this interview. We want it to be good, right? But like if, let's say, your internal goal was, I want to have a good conversation. And my internal goal was like, I'm going to make this motherfucker say I'm smart. You know? <laughs> then we would be in conflict because we have different internal goals. Exactly. You know, And if we don't identify, I might not even know that that's what's pushing me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then be wondering, why didn't that interview go well? Mm-hmm. And so like that, that thing that you're saying about like spending time with the darkest parts of yourself is so crucial to, to, to not being... To being more in control of yourself, yeah. to like deciding what direction you go in, and not being like pushed along a course because your insecurities or the shadow self or the internal goal that you haven't acknowledged is pushing you in some strange direction. Mm-hmm. So, respect for that. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? That's dope. Thank you. All right, final question. Okay. Where can people find your stuff online? How can they connect with your work? Well. I am Googleable. <laughs> I use that term all the time. That's so funny. I'm Googleable. <laughs> so if you type in my name, N3PTUNE, yeah. Neptune, you will uh, you will find me everywhere. Um, yeah. Right on. Yeah, I'm, I'm Spotify, Apple Music, um, Instagram, all that shit. I'm everywhere, essentially. I'm not hard to find. Yeah. I am hard to find. <laughs> Don't get it fucked up. I'm hard to find. I'm, I'm, ducked, I'm ducked off now. Right. But I'm easy to find. <laughs> I'm easy to find. All right. Uh, you any shows coming up or anything? I will be playing Electric Forest this summer. Okay. Dope. With my best friend Rusty Steve. Also, make sure y'all check out Rusty Steve. He sells jackets. He sells gas masks. Man's a designer as well. We do we both do music, but we do multiple things outside of it. The man is a force to be reckoned. Can you with. spell out the name so the people? Rusty Steve. Rusty and then Steve. Oh, just Rusty. Okay. If you don't know how to spell Rusty. <laughs> Take it back to grade school, baby. Take it back to grade school. Um, <laughs> Rusty Steve. Okay, so if you yeah. Google Rusty Steve, you'll get Rusty Steve. I think he's Googleable. Okay. I think he is. All right. Look, I haven't Googled my best friend. I, I have once, but that was like a while ago. <laughs> so uh, check him out. But yeah. All right. Hey, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. It was a good conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Right on. 
Special thank you to today's guest, Neptune. Thank you to the listeners. If you're not already, please be sure to subscribe to How Art Is Born wherever you get your podcast for more episodes. And if you can, leave a review. It really helps us out. Check out MTA Denver on YouTube and subscribe to the channel to watch the video version of this podcast and get behind-the-scenes clips from today's episode. How Art Is Born is produced and edited by Daley Johnson and executive produced by Courtney Law. Additional thanks to Rachel Grammis for their work on marketing support for this episode.